Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower, the official podcast of uthdynasty.com. And we are officially into off-season mode. We've got week 17 in the rearview mirror. And do want to remind folks that the UTH draft guide is available for pre-order. You can find that link pinned to my, my Twitter as well as the homepage of UTH Dynasty, where uh, earlier today, uh, my first big project, my first to-do list item checked off uh, was the, the UTH big board uh, for rookies in 2021. And one thing, uh, so maybe it's just me being a little ahead of where I usually am, but I feel like early January is when, it's, when I release it. Um, and I have said before that my time and attention, I used to be a lot more towards the college content and really prepping for upcoming rookie and NFL draft season. And that was like Thanksgiving and onward. But this year I said, you know what, I'm going to keep my eye on the prize and let's, let's keep our nose to the grindstone on NFL and our dynasty teams until we are complete with the season. And then we can have all the rookie and all the NFL draft fun we want. Uh, so we are firmly in NFL and, and rookie draft fun right now. And actually, Katie, we'll probably do a, another mock draft here coming up. Uh, probably we probably want to wait till the mid-month where we get the actual declaration deadline. And uh, we're firmly into here's the player pool because we've already done, I think, between the NFL draft time and now, I think we've done three mock drafts. And of course, there's, there's going to be players that end up going back to school or something medical uh, that ends up being, they, they aren't a part of the player pool for this coming year. But I did want to so, uh, announce that, so that rookie big board is already out. Obviously, we'll have plenty of twists and turns. And I will say we're just starting this week to see some, uh, rookie uh, mock drafts, NFL drafts, you know, uh, across the big box sites coming out. And I really hope a uh, friend of the podcast, Grinding the Mocks uh, site that uh, really aggregates everything did a tremendous job, I think, over the last couple of years. Uh, it's still kind of sitting in 2020 mode. So I hope over the next few weeks that starts percolating up with a bunch of sample size because that was an invaluable resource I know for myself, but also just anyone that wants to dig into their their teams and what they might need and just general ranges and what we're kind of seeing on the landscape. Uh, so that's a, a giant, you know, again, dozens upon dozens of, uh, of mock drafts around uh, the internet, pulls them all together and you can see a bunch of different information on that. So, so we're officially here, Katie, and I wanted to do our, this first show of the off season looking at where were we in April, May, all the way through last off season. And then we have a full season, you know, we crossed our fingers, uh, crossed the T's, dotted our I's, and guess what? We got ourselves a full 17-week season, and uh, we're on the precipice of having a really nice NFL playoffs here. But, uh, but we've had a lot of data points since. Uh, it almost feels like maybe a secondary universe. Um, so it's an open canvas on this is going to just be a discussion of players, 
situations, landscape of dynasty. You're actually a part of a, an ADP mock right now. It's about halfway through. Um, so looking back and kind of remembering months ago, data points ago to now, where would you like to kick off the conversation of what's different? Sure. So let me start off by letting you and the listeners know what I've been doing for the last week since the fantasy football season has been officially over, at least the playoffs and everything. Uh, besides getting ready for rookie drafts, you know, and Debbie drafts and just getting my list in a, in a row. One thing that I've focused on over the last week is building a list of for the last 21 years, since the year 2000, how many skill position players are taken in each round and then break it down by, by position, uh, just to see trends, just to see, like, we knew that last year's class was a very strong class. And then after a strong class, how does that affect the next class? Like, do, do, do the NFL teams draft any differently? I've put together a list of team needs earlier than I've ever put together and, and salary caps. And there are some guys like Green Bay is negative 22 million and they've only got 41 under contract. So they're hurting and who's got the free agents and where do we think the free agents are going to land? So I I'm starting that part of the process even earlier than normal. And I remember last in the draft taking the one one at two Oh seven. And I remember saying it's very conceivable is going to be a top five potential, top 10 potential in startup drafts. And sure enough, I got Jonathan Taylor with that 101. And right now in this rookie mock, or not rookie mock, in a startup mock, he went at the 105. And I would guess that he's probably going to be anywhere from 103 to 108 in most of this off-season's dynasty startups. Yeah, and... I mean, one theme that uh, I've noticed over the years, and I mean, sometimes there's a random draft or a random pocket of picks, but what we always say, you know, what's insulated early on, it's rookie picks. R early on, meaning this time of year, uh, because right. the players, there's risk factors. Obviously, there's still players playing in the NFL for another month or so. Then you have free agency. You have all these things that, that could change the landscape. And then the rookies coming in can affect those veterans. Whereas the rookie picks, and we've said this before, and it's an annual tradition for us, is that, like you just said, you know, picking 101 right now, picking 105 or 111, you don't declare your position. You know, and that's very valuable. You're holding, it's like a, it's like Texas Hold'em, right? You have cards in your hand. You do not have to play. They might call your bluff. They may not. But the point is you can hold those until later on in the game uh, before you actually have to say, well, here's what I have. And so you get to wait all the way until your rookie draft time. And then you can still play that card, trade, trade that pick, um, all those things. And like you said, I mean, you're not declaring the player at that moment. You didn't have to say I'm picking Jonathan Taylor or somebody else uh, there in January, February, March, whatever. Uh, you can wait all the way uh, until it comes due. That library card, you know, has to be, you know, that book has to be returned. I just talked like it's 1995. <laughs> Who well, checked out a book only, at the library? Right. But not only that, 
you're insulating yourself against any anything that can happen over these next few months. If you're doing a startup now and you've got that rookie placeholder for the 101 or 10 whatever, and let's say you get to May and you get a great offer, you can still trade the pick. You don't exactly. have to make you don't have to make the pick or take the player. You can get something that would be even more valuable than you would have in the startup. Or just but now different. you've got three or four or five yeah. more months worth of data points. Yeah. And uh, so it as you we know this because we've been doing this for a while, but it's much better if you've got the rookie placeholders in a startup draft. Round two, if you, if you get the 101 anywhere mid to late round two, chances are very good. That pick is just going to go up in value over the next five months. I've right. never seen a 101 go down in value. <laughs> yeah. Now, once you take the player, sure, that player can then go down in value. I'm talking about the actual right. placeholder. The leverage that you have with said said rookie placeholder, uh, especially this early in the process, before the combine, before really things are heating up, before uh, people are getting super excited. Right? I mean that, and what we always say is, I mean, this is a year where you know you have super flex. You've obviously got some top quarterbacks uh, near the, you know, with Trevor Lawrence being you know one of those oracles, you know, near the top, and then you've also got a wide receiver that's you know or two that are likely to go in the top ten or so. And then running back, we know with situation, right? You get the right landing spot uh, with the right player and things just shoot up. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was not really in, in many people's top three to five running backs. And there he is uh, in, in late April, early May going, going 101 slash 102 um, in, you know, could have been super flex and uh, one quarterback. So you just, that, that landing spot can, can really shift some things. Like you said, you still don't have to make the pick. You still don't have to. You can still trade down. You can still trade that for a player plus a pick. Uh, many things, uh, but you just provide that flexibility. Um, yeah, and, and I just jotted down a few, a few rookies where you say, man, how is life different now? Like Justin Jefferson, for example, right? I mean, a lot of people are saying, rightly or wrongly, they're saying, oh, he could be the number one, you know, number one, uh, rookie, number one wide receiver overall. And you talk about a 21-year-old setting franchise records, setting you know NFL marks of what he was able to do, and yet you go back to week one, and it was Ola B.C. Johnson being the, the, the number two receiver there. And Adam Thielen had a nice year, touchdown infused. Uh, but then you have Justin Jefferson coming on like gangbusters, having a really huge stretch. He wasn't monster. You know His best games weren't in the fantasy playoffs, but that's immaterial. Now we're to the point of, look what he did as a rookie, and getting a, a top 12 season out of a rookie wide receiver is rarefied air. And so you say, this is a guy that came from the late first round. Some people probably got him in the second round of their rookie drafts. And now if you were redoing that, and especially if you're seeing where he sits among all wide receivers, he slipped to the second round uh, because I would think he would be a little higher in the wide receiver hierarchy than he was. Obviously there's, there's some, some really strong veterans uh, of a variety of ages. And, and a few of those ended up going ahead of Jefferson in this case, but he's going to be that, that name that for folks that are, are like, I want to go as young as possible. I want to go with guys that have profiles of success and, and Jefferson's going to be right on the forefront of their thoughts uh, to be one of, you know, the, their first round pick, you know, if, especially if they're back half of the round 
Um, so you think of where he came from late first round uh, or even early second round of rookie drafts. Um, you know, Jefferson is one of those uh, game changing uh, changes from, from six months ago. Oh, absolutely. And then you look at guys like Jerry Judy, that's at the 501 in that range of this particular mock draft, Brandon Ayuk at 505. Uh, that's some really extreme value. And T Higgins at 405. Um, Do you think that I spread mean, is too big? Do you think the spread of rookie wide receivers in general, when you say, well, the gap from this guy to this guy, like, is that an arbitrage opportunity of, I mean, why would there be a one or three round gap or whatever you want to do, uh, declare between those guys? I mean, seeing T Higgins, who was, you know, one of the hot guys and, you know, for a moment in time or a cross section of the season and then Brandon Ayuk, right? I mean, the stretch that he produced when he had a slow start uh, and you say, well, what quarterbacks was he working with? And, and yet he, they're out in, you know, barely inside the top 50 or so. I mean, is that a uh, 50 or 60? I mean, is that, do you think that spread is appropriate? I think that the dynasty community is fickle and what have you done for me lately can be pinpointed right down to what did you do for me in the championship? <laughs> People have such short memories, I swear. And, you know, you see Derrick Henry is now in the top 10, yeah. He's he's going to be 28 this year. Yeah. As a running back. Yes, he's he's fabulous, but as a dynasty asset, do you really want to pin your hopes to a running back in the first round that isn't, you know, in his early 20s? Right. Um so there's a lot of opportunities, I think, more than ever because you can't take them all. There's so many good ones, you can't take them all. There's going to be somebody's going to slip through cd lamb uh, you know all those running backs jk dobbins deandre swift jonathan taylor cam Akers. you can't take them all in the first round they're going to fall to the third the fourth the fifth so trading back getting extra first this is going to be another strong wide receiver class there's some good tight ends running backs it's going to be like the 2014 season as far as I'm concerned. There may be one or two, and that's it. There may be one first round, but they're probably going to be two second round running backs, and then from there on, maybe you know three or four that are third round. There's not going to be a lot of running backs with their name called until round four and later in this year's draft. But there's going to be a lot of wide receivers, and there's still some teams that need wide receivers. And that's going to even mix up the board even more three or four months from now. So take the discount. That's what I say. Um, you know, when, when somebody, you had them ranked higher or in that same range, like Jerry Judy and Jalen Rager and Brandon Ayuk and T Higgins, all those guys were right there with Justin Jefferson. Jefferson had an outstanding season. Great. But those guys aren't chopped liver. Like you said, it's an arbitrage. Trade back, get extra capital, and then take those other guys that you like just as much that haven't had that big breakout yet. Yeah. And where do you stand on, you know, judging the player versus the what what season? And it could be a complete season. And, and a couple players I was thinking about that they went in different, very various ranges of this draft. One was Jerry, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, 
who, again, was on a round one top 15 type level when he had back-to-back strong seasons at basically 20 and 21. He was so, so freaking young. But yet, you know, finishing out here in Pittsburgh, they've had a lot of competition for targets. And a lot of, you know, this year was, he, he was left out, you know, far too much for the taste of his talent. And now he enters free agency. And really one of the youngest free agents we've ever seen at, at right. like 25. Um, so how do you think the NFL will view him? Is he going to be an alpha number one? Is he going to be viewed as a number two? Obviously he's going to get paid, uh, you know, and that's not really much of a conversation. Um, so that might indicate usage regardless of what they already have on that depth chart. And then do you think, let's judge him with what he did historic rarity at his age previously in his career. And you know what? It's just a, a matter of circumstances why he didn't continue on that track with Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, James Washington is no slouch. And, you, and they added Eric Ebron, you know, just a number of targets in that offense. You say, I mean, it's going to be hard for everybody to eat. Uh, and so is he one that you say, this is a really great historical opportunity when it's someone in round four, five, six, as opposed to where he was going at one, two. No, I think it's a very good opportunity to get value for him. Um, he is still so young. There's no way Pittsburgh is going to keep him. They've got 35 guys signed and they're in debt, 22 million uh, on the salary cap. And so teams like Jacksonville that are going to get Trevor Lawrence, they could use, and they've got 81 million, you know, they're, they're, on the good strong side of salary cap, they've got 81 million with 46 players signed and they need a wide receiver. Um, Teams like Indianapolis needs a wide receiver. They got 64 million on the salary cap and they're going to be losing uh, potentially their quarterbacks. Uh, Phillip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett are both free agents and T.Y. Hilton is a free agent. So Juju Smith-Schuster in Indianapolis might make some sense. But the point is, I think that he is a value. I think he could still get a very nice landing spot. Look at Allen Robinson. He was tied to Blake Bortles for his first four years, and then he went to Chicago. And that was a better landing spot. He still hasn't had a great quarterback, but he has resurged. He's, he's done just fine. Now he's not back to his round one startup value And Juju Smith-Schuster may not ever get back to the round one, but I would say he could get back to round two. And right now he's round four. So it's a value play. I still think you get good value. Michael Thomas is another pretty interesting one for me from a historical perspective. When you you think about where he was coming from, setting records, Drew Brees, and then he gets injured this year, misses a chunk of the year, and then... Taysom Hill, we had that wrinkle later on in the fantasy regular season, and he never quite got on track. It's not that he never produced and had had quality games, but I wonder, like he's always been a a target maven and not really, you know, a guy that that wins beyond 10 to 15 yards. Not saying you can't, it's sort of like DeAndre Hopkins now. Like he's not getting, you know, Hopkins is not getting the same deep 50-50 balls he used to get. But with Michael Thomas, you're talking about an all-time level producer before this year. Now you have a little hiccup, but now you get a discount of probably a round and a half, if not maybe a little more in terms of startup drafts and requisite trade market. Do you think that Thomas, he's in that same boat, 27, 28-year-olds of strong resumes, strong producers at wide receiver, 
and he's going to get passed up by by folks looking at younger players. Uh, do you think Thomas is one that now we don't know if Breeze is going to be back? What's the situation going to be like? Is Taysom Hill going to be the starter next year? A number of wrinkles situationally, but is Thomas one that you're you're buying now that he's cheaper, or do you say oh, there's just a lot of other ways to go? In in a startup, I wouldn't want to pick Michael Thomas pretty much anywhere. Um, I, I don't know that his value would, would get low enough. The problem, the difference and the problem, he's quite a bit older than Juju. His situation's completely different. Drew Brees is going to retire. He's done. Jameis Winston is a free agent. If they're pinning their hopes on Taysom Hill, the New Orleans Saints are negative 99 million against the salary cap with 46 of their players signed. They're losing Jameis Winston and Jared Cook. And so they, they need a quarterback, they need a linebacker, they need cornerback, they need edge. They well, they're need... Pay, well, they're paying Taysom Hill a requisite amount that he has to be their starter pretty much. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like so if he million, is the yeah. starter, he, they're stuck with him because of what they owe. They might be able to get a rookie quarterback in round two or three or something, right. that, but they're not going to be ready, I, I don't believe. I don't think that the quarterback class is quite deep enough to support right. that. But that's why I, I think that I would, I would fade Michael Thomas. I think his situation, he's, he's tied to Taysom Hill for at least another year. Okay. So you think, I mean, even if you like Michael Thomas, wait for that to sort of percolate up later on, like, oh, Taysom Hill's the starter. Let that play out a little bit. Maybe he's an in-season buy for even less. Uh, and, and what you're saying is, I mean, this is a different environment of existing league versus startup as well. Because startup, right. you're talking about setting the table and making the best picks for your overall team and outlook, not specifically for any time frame. So, and it's about insulation, it's about roster construction and asset construction, as opposed to, you know, well, I, I think this is a pretty good deal kind of stacking up positions. That, that's a different conversation to have in terms of trading for or away Michael Thomas versus why I pick him at the 2-3 turn. Um, what do you think about now that we are removed from the season? I know we had a couple of conversations on James Robinson in season. So now we are in the off season. And this is obviously for Robinson, the riskier time. Now he ended up missing late in the year. Um, but again, before that, before right around the dynasty trade deadline, as you were saying, I mean, you're lock and load starting him. His market share of that backfield was immense. Now changes are coming. You mentioned they have a lot of cap room. They have a lot of picks, a lot of changes for Jacksonville. And now you have a, you know, so much overachieving for expectations, James Robinson, that has some hurdles to get over. So in terms of if you own Robinson or if you don't own Robinson, I mean, maybe the don't own him is a very simple conversation, but where do you stand on now off-season mode for him in terms of a recommendation, evaluation price point? Well, I don't see any... They're, they're going to take a quarterback with their first-round pick. I doubt that they would go running back with their second-round pick. And, and there are some guys on free agency, but... I think that they've got the running back position. They may end up getting some depth play later on. Uh, I don't see that they're going to draft anybody or that they would sign any free agent. So I don't, I don't see that as a threat. And I think that he's a credible runner. He's done a good job. I think they build other pieces around the quarterback, some wide receivers, maybe the tight end that they're looking for and move forward from there. 
I'm still not a big believer in long-term because there's so many other guys that are in that range. I'd much rather have uh, Cam Akers than, than James Robinson in a startup draft. So I would be fading him in startups. He's going in this one. He went in the early or mid second. Yeah. 207, 207, which uh, there's still Cam Akers went right after him. I'd much rather have Cam Akers There's a lot of guys that are, in my opinion, way more insulated than Robinson going after him. And I find that interesting. And and we're talking like over the next round, round and a half. I mean, it's not just like you mentioned, Akers, the next pick. And I would disagree a little bit that if I were Robinson, sorry, if I were a Robinson proponent of let's get them all the way, you know, let's get this situation bubble wrapped until May. I would say this is that I wish the ancillary running back backs or back somebody was a little better than what they had have just because I think that no matter what they're in the market for running back, even if they don't view them as a, this is going to overtake Robinson and be our number one for 2021. I still think they can't feel settled with what they have. Uh, Dargo Boale, Divino Zigbo. We'll see Raquel Armstead. Is he going to be back? Uh, that's, basically it. And so, I mean, you can say that there's not, I mean, there's a bunch of free agents out there. They have a bunch of cap room and I'm not saying they have to go, go for the highest names out there, but there's probably at least 10 veterans that if they were signed there, I think it's a factor. It's a factor, if not more to something you would project for James Robinson this year. So that's what one thing I would point out. I mean, when, when I looked and you went in the second round of your draft and it wasn't super flex, so you could probably superimpose that to the third round uh, if it were super flex, um, that I would have, I, I mean, so that's a non-starter for me as the price point and just everybody he's going over that has a lot more multi-year insulation in my opinion. And then the other part would be just uh, just the 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 market tendencies of you know if they do draft someone even if it's third round you know in the NFL draft even if it's i mean i'm looking at my tier 2 of of NFL free agents here like let's say it's Jamal Williams let's say it's Marlon Mack Kenyon Drake um i mean someone like that i still think that is a decent level factor for how this is going to play out for him even in 2021 which makes him pretty dicey in my opinion despite what he did this year. Um, so I, you know, from all those factors, I wish, you know, if I had Robinson right now, it's like, I want to hold, I want to start him and have that security and stability and want to basically a, a rerun of what we saw this last year in 2021. I wish they had less cap. I wish they had less, less picks in the NFL draft because that's just less chances and less hurdles for me to try to get through. Um, so for me, he needs to be probably a couple, at least two rounds, if not three rounds cheaper uh, in a startup draft. And then the other factor would be, uh, I, I, again, I, I think there is a, a pretty decent chance that just calling it tier two, that a tier two signing happens at the position, even if they think, well, this is just someone that's going to be a 40% share of the backfield or someone that's early day three or better in the NFL draft. And I don't disagree with any of that. And I didn't say that if you've got him that you shouldn't try to shop him. I'm just saying I would fade him in any startup draft. There's other players that I would much rather have. And even if Jacksonville, I I do think they're going to get some running back. I just don't know that they're going to 
quote unquote, use that as a replacement. Yes, it will ding his value. And now is a good time to try to trade somebody like him who right now has that starting role. While he's still fresh in everybody's minds of what he did this year, shop him around. Try to see what you can get. Absolutely. Um, A couple quarterbacks where the price point is tremendously different than the offseason. We have Josh Allen. We have Justin Herbert. So one's a rookie, one already, you know, Josh Allen was already on that quarterback one production uh, plane last year. Obviously, 2020 was a different animal. He was a true difference maker this year. So when you get these giant, they're moving multiple tiers up. And now Herbert, you know, is going to be in that mid mid QB1 conversation, whether it's a trade, whether it's a, a draft of where he stands in the hierarchy. So if you've quote unquote missed the boat, are you likely to buy on the, the incline saying, well, they're a completely different player. They're warranted, they're warranted to be here. So now if you have to pay top, say, three or so quarterback prices for Josh Allen, or, you know, obviously Justin Herbert in Superflex was a lot of times, what, 108, 111? I mean, later in the first round and, you know, and QB, what was it? Three, firmly three, yes. right? Yes. Um, yeah, of the class. So now with the price just shooting up, and obviously requisite production has followed, but is, is this one where you go, ah, you know, I wasn't in enough on them originally or before this. Now, you know, I'm generally not going to jump back into that ride. This is not the time of year to buy either one of those guys. They're, what they've done and their memory is so fresh in the minds of other owners that you'd be crazy to try to buy them now. Maybe wait until September, and if you're in a super flex and you want to splash the pot and the rookie draft is over and, and you really want to upgrade, I do believe in Josh Allen long-term. I think that he has improved his mechanics enough to the point where he and, – and with the production – between those two factors, he's proven to me that he, he's not just a flash in the pan. Justin Herbert, I like what I've seen from him. I liked what I saw from him at the Senior Bowl. I liked what I saw from him in his progressions this year. But that doesn't mean that I want to pay top dollar. Rookies especially will have some up and down. He still needs to get through at least another year or two of backing it up. Whereas Josh Allen has done it for a couple of years and he has worked in the off season to improve his game. He's not just the runner. He's not just the big lunky, you know, throw the ball down the field and who knows where it's going to be. He has improved his mechanics. I do like Justin Herbert quite a lot, but I don't buy high. You don't really dynasty is not about buying high on a guy uh, it's it's finding those gems. And so guys like Tua, who had a really bad end of the year, and there was even talk, people all over Twitter were saying, oh, Miami's got the third pick in the draft. They should take a quarterback. It's like, are you guys – like, this isn't Josh Rosen. I think that Tua has shown more than that. But I also don't like the way that he's been kind of handled with a kid glove – um, and only given like you can't give them the entire offense all at once. But I, from watching as much film as I watched on Tua in college, he is a winner. He will work in this offseason. 
he will make it work. And they're going to put weapons around him. So I'm not concerned about him. He's somebody that you want to buy, I think. He's going to drop in value. There's going to be a lot of question marks on Tua this, this offseason. I would take the discount on Tua and fade Justin Herbert, especially in a startup. Um, Josh Allen, no worries about him. And But now is not the time to buy him. I'd wait until closer to the season start in Superflex if that is what you're so inclined to do. And that's fine. Yeah, I think one thing, and I don't know if we've talked about this, the surprising thing for me uh, was seeing Tua's mobility being better than I expected in terms of evading, but also adding, and again, this doesn't have to be Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen or Cam Newton in his prime. This doesn't have to be top three, Kyler Murray, top three to five at the position. But can you, I always say, can you add enough? Can you add, you know, like 15 yards a game? you know, 20 yards per game, an occasional touchdown. This is really good. This is really helpful and insulates you against the others at the position that are doing that, that are adding the rushing production. And I didn't know with Tua if we were going to get that. And I, I saw promising mobility and promising rushing potential this year. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. I, like, I actually thought we'd see better as a passer and not so much as a, as a runner. And then Justin Herbert, we saw the opposite. I thought he'd run a lot and ha- you know, have some growing pains as a passer. And those two profiles have been flip-flopped this year where Justin Herbert looks locked and loaded as a passer. And it's like, please, big man, can you run a little bit? Can you give us just a little something? And it just seems like he wants to do everything but run. And then two is the exact opposite where he actually did, did show me something and more than I was expecting, which is a big positive. And I would reiterate what you said, which is let's not pretend that Miami's weapons right now are going to be probably even close to what they have. Cause they're still in rebuild mode. This year was complete gravy from a competitive standpoint because now they've got the cap they've got the picks and they've already got a quarterback where they spent to get him last year so they don't even have to think about that uh whether it's through big salary cap or if if it's through a top pick so i just i feel like they're going to be one where you look at their skill position players it was relatively laughable. Some of the wide receivers they were running out there this year. I mean, Jakeem Grant was like a notable player. I mean, they are going to address the position. They could have a, a, you know, a clear cut top and it's a really good free agent class at wide receiver as well as a top, you know, 50 ish pick at the position and just keep adding and surrounding to a, so I really like your, your arbitrage call there of saying, you know, I mean, you can start out in different directions and Herbert went straight up Tua kind of went sideways and then finished down. And, and, and that recency, I don't recall. And maybe it's just more people that are stuck inside and, and social media is a big, powerful medium right now, but I don't recall three years ago it being as reactive and I mean, Jordan and I jokingly call it DFS, which is dynasty. Like it, the D is for dynasty as well, as well as daily fantasy sports, because I mean, it, it just seems like every week it was, it was just wild proclamations and overreactions to what we just saw in season. And I have a feeling at least here in the early part of the off season, it's going to take hold of what was the last month like. And I, I really, when I put out a poll about Jonathan Taylor being you know, a first-round startup pick, because a month, a month or two ago, he wasn't. 
And it was kind of laughable to suggest that because it was so packed for round one, quote unquote, round one guys. And, but now he rips off a, a, a really good month and then caps off the season with 250 plus yards. And now it's, I guess, obvious to everyone, you know, because he's going to be, I guess, in non-super flex, he'll be what? A top five pick. So I guess that's, I mean, how quickly things change. That guy was a plotter. He was Trent Richardson. And mid-season, it was like, the dude can't hold a job and he's a bust. Look where we are now. I mean, it's a, I don't recall this being as extreme a few years ago. No, it, it really, it wasn't. And I talked one of our listeners, a good friend of mine, off a ledge about a month ago. It was beginning of November. And he was like, I just got this offer uh, I can get Jonathan Taylor for this. And I said, do it. He goes, you're not worried about his vision. I said, take the discount. He goes, you're not worried. I said, take the discount. I don't know how many times during our conversation that I said, take the discount. And I texted him last night and I said, man, I sure hope you listened to me back in November. I hope you I'm took the discount. Right. Yeah. And he goes, I did. I took the discount. I'm happy. I was like, good, good. Very happy. Good. But that is, it's a fickle fickle wind in the dynasty community. And I, I have never seen more people on Twitter than now. And the under and over reactions, it, it fluctuates like from day to day sometimes it seems. And that is good in a way because when you're grounded, it's like the stock market. You can, there's, there's high spikes and then there's low lows and they happen very quickly, but you, you've got to take advantage and strike while the, the fire is hot. And that's why I'm saying, you know, right now is the time if you've got running backs that are either going to be changing situation or you're unsure of their situation in free agency uh, because of potentially, I think the free agent market is more scary than this year's NFL draft. There are some good running backs. I wouldn't say there's any great running backs in this year's class. There's, there's some good ones, but that being said, your running back's not going to help your roster this time of year right now anyway. And if they just finished on a high note, now's the time to get as much of a boatload as you can for them. Yeah. And I, I know it's probably easier for me to say this than listeners. Um, and I'm, I'm preaching to the choir uh, with Katie as well, that, that it, I, I think part of it going back to the social media aspect is that especially dynasty Twitter feels like it's far more populated and dense. I haven't done a full, you know, like, like let's, let's do a, a, a dramatic reading of the list of dynasty podcasts out there, but it feels like it's three X of what it was, you know, three, four years ago. And I'm, that's not, I'm not saying it's bad. What I'm saying is there's a lot more opinions. There's a lot more information. There's a lot more of, you know, trends and, you know, who's going to have the hot take and who's going to, you know, so there's a variety of approaches to that. And what I would say is with all that, uh, you know, white noise going on around you, and on your Twitter timeline, it's funny because because my my Twitter is my you know what I actually see is so refined to to dynasty and NFL college type stuff that you know it's like man it seems like everyone's talking about this. Well, everyone on my timeline is talking about it, but that's not you know that's not Twitter at large. Like there's all those different cross sections. But what I would say is 
you really have to. And, and so in these critical times, and, and just to go back to what I said in the beginning of the show about, you know, the rookie big board is you really have to, on my side of it, on the analyst side of it, and what I would say is as much as you can as well, the listener and the dynasty owner yourself, you've got to create and foster your own take or and or who is inside your circle. I would hope if you're listening to this show, we are inside your circle and you may have others. You may, you know, but, but the point is you want to have as few opinions, as few resources, I would say, to start on what do I feel about a player or startup draft season or rookie drafts or whatever it is. And, and these critical moments of the offseason is starting or after NFL free agency or after the NFL draft that you need to have your own evaluation. Then you can say, oh, well, let's see what's going on out there. Look out the window. Now let like protect your house as the college football line goes, but then look outside your house and say, what's going on out there? It could be similar to what you are thinking about certain things. It could be completely opposite. But if you start out by having the window open and hearing all the sounds of the city and you're letting all this stuff in, then you're trying to discern your opinion. Like it's going to be highly involving what all the stuff that blew in the window. And that could be trash. That could be pollution. That could be noise. It also could be some good stuff but it's going to be a, a, a big mix and you're going to have to try to figure it out. So that would be my final point is who's inside your circle. This is the perfect time. And I know Katie would say this as well. It's the perfect time to start watching tape on progress pro, uh, prospects start, you know, evaluating some of these situations on salary cap and free agency and, and who's got a bunch of picks and capital team needs, all these types of things and foster your own opinion on these players because if you let everything come at you and hit you in the face, it's going to knock you over. And it, uh, frankly, it can be overwhelming. And you can do it hours on end every day and look up in a month, where did it get you? It could, it could get you almost nowhere. It can actually put you in, the, in, in reverse, you know, that you're actually worse for the wear. So I would say those trusted resources, let them in. Include that with your own opinion. And you've got plenty of time. It's early January. One prospect a day a few prospects a week. By the end of this month, by the NFL Combine, you're, you're going to be so up to speed on dozens of prospects and have your own opinions. And that's really going to drive things. And for, for these people that say, oh, I don't even start really thinking about rookies until after the NFL draft. Well, that's what I just mentioned. That means you're going to value situation way too much, in my opinion. Because now, the last thing you have is situation. Draft position's important. Situation, a little less important. So I just feel like, and if you're starting to do eval on players after they got drafted at 54 overall by your favorite team, you're going to be a little jaded watching the tape. Watching them now in the college uniform with no team, no NFL draft round attached is a much better way to go. So I know that was a long way to go, a lot of stuff, but it's the offseason fired up as you should be about your existing teams, about potential new teams. And there's a lot to do. The game's ended, but, but your dynasty journey continues and it starts right here. Yeah, absolutely. We've got uh, bowl games. Hopefully everybody's had a good time watching those. Uh, we got the senior bowl and the shrine game that are coming up this month and then on to the combine in February. So there's going to be more and more data points as we move in this off season 
And as Chad said, you know, we love this game of football. So take some ownership, watch some of your own film and try to get a better feel for what those people that are inside your circle, as Chad mentioned again, what they're seeing. And do you agree? Do you, because that will make you a better watcher of the game, but also a better owner and more buy-in and less likely to react to the hype one way or the other, good hype or bad hype. And there's always hype every season. We want to take advantage of it instead of losing value based on it. Well, Katie Flower is hyped and it's for a good reason. (laughs) Um, You can find her and communicate with her between episodes on Twitter at FF underscore Skylar 399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. And one more plug for for UTHDynasty.com. If you've been listening to this show, uh, maybe you subscribed in the past. Uh, Again, make uh, draft season your best season uh, to improve your team, point towards 2021 and beyond and get your dynasty team ready. And it starts really right now. Uh, I mean, I'm going to go over a ton of veterans uh, with premium podcasts, with articles, already have a number of the the top uh, players in the 2021 projected rookie class that have been covered uh, with articles, uh, pre-NFL combine previews there. And now uh, you have an easy way to get all the premium shows. Uh, you can get them on any of your podcasting apps. I know for myself included, uh, listening back, self-scouting, uh, but just the ease now of, you know, if you're on, you, you get them on your Apple podcast app uh, or any of those um, Android uh, ones that, uh, again, it's just going to be seamless like any other. It's going to be UTH premium shows and boom, there you go. Uh, every time it's released. So money back guarantee, you got the trade calculator that's already been updated with all the veterans over the next couple of days. So by the time you're listening to this, the uh, 2021 incoming about 50 to 75, the, the uh, 1.0 installment there of, of rookies are going to be in there. Uh, and then shortly after that, you're going to get 2021 custom rookie picks. Uh, not the, the historical ones will be in there, but also you'll get the valuations on those on 12 different formats, contending, building, as well as neutral dynamics for your team. So uh, just a number of perks there. Never been a better time to subscribe at utshdynasty.com. So for Katie Flower, myself, Chad Parsons, until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.